The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. Without freedom of the press, no democratic form of government could exist. We switch you now to London. I'm standing on a rooftop looking out over London. Good night and good luck. Good evening from our CBS newsroom in New York. NBC presents Chet Huntley and David Brinkley. From ABC, this is World News Tonight. With Peter Jennings in London, Max Robinson in Chicago, and from our desk in Washington, Frank Reynolds. Good evening. This historic legislation, the telecommunications law, will create many, many high-wage jobs. will create opportunity and better lives for all Americans. When the press is free, the people of a country are free. When the press is not free, the people of a country are in danger of slavery. Keeping you informed with information, news, and the views of people making the news. It's the Nicole Sandler Show on NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Causes me such consternation. Every scandal they mishandle, dying new. Of this White House, of this White House, of this White House. By now we've had enough, dying new. Of this White House, of this White House, of this White House. By now we've had enough. The birther crap, no repercussions. All those campaign ties to Russians. Insults, tweeting, lying, cheating, dying new. Of this president, of this president, of this president. By now we've had enough, dying new. Of this president, this unprecedented president. <laughs> of this president, by now we've had enough. He's rude to widows, football players, and to Puerto Rican mayors. Business conflicts so numeric. Slimeballs, Don Jr. and Eric. Hires Ivanka without merit. All those foreign loans to Jared. Still these schmucks rake in the bucks. And I say new for any other administration. For any other administration. For any other administration. It would have been enough. Diane new for any other administration. For any other administration. For any other administration, it should have been enough. Wild conspiracies he's selling. Have you caught his awful spelling? Cabinet members who unravel costly furniture and travel. Clueless staff in every quarter. Bannon, Spicer, Hicks, Rob Porter. Fox and Friends, defense wife beaters. Lawyers who are bottom feeders. Paying porn stars to keep quiet. You would think would cause a riot. These things each should bring impeachment. Why not now? Yeah. For any other incompetent president. For any other philandering president. For any other self-dealing president. This would have been enough, Dainu. As scandals pour on, they'd have closed the door on any other moron. Why isn't this enough? It should have been enough. Oi vey, I say enough. So Dainu already. <laughs> oh, she's great. Okay, uh, that's enough. Uh, Dainu, enough for all you non-Jews out there. That is a traditional Passover song. Yes, uh, Passover is an, an event. I, 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 I am the worst Jew to explain this to you, so I'm not really going to try. But that's one of those songs that Jewish kids grow up singing. You sing it in preschool. You sing it at, um, uh, uh, you know, Passover at holidays. Dayenu, enough. Um, that obviously are, are different lyrics given to us by Lauren Mayer of Lauren Mayer's comedy. Uh, that's her song of the week, actually. Um, I think she produced that one last year for, for Passover, but it, it still holds up. So today is, uh, tonight begins the first night of Passover, Jewish holiday. Um, today is Good Friday. I guess this is the day that all those anti-death penalty or those pro-death penalty people uh, celebrate Jesus being hung. Or, or 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 crucified. Sorry, he wasn't hung. He was crucified. Uh, I told you I'm not the I'm not the religious expert. <laughs> um, uh, what else? Uh, tomorrow's 4:20 day. So people from the uh, the the Church of Cannabis are also celebrating at the altar tomorrow. It's a big weekend. Great weekend for um, reading a lengthy uh, Mueller report. And it's available for everyone. 
In fact, what I'll do is on today's blog where I post each day's podcast, where you can always listen anytime. It's always free. Um, although we do take donations. The, uh, 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 the, the, the um, uh, version, the searchable version of the Mueller report. Uh, you know, back to the religion thing for a moment. So this is like one of the biggest holy weeks of the year. I mean, you got the Jews, you got the the the, the Christians, you got I don't know if there's any kind of uh, Muslim holiday. I guess we can ask our guests today um, if there's anything going on in the Muslim world, because at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by Abdul El Said. Now, if his name doesn't sound familiar to you, think back to the 2018 primary season. Um, and, and, you know, if you were not in Michigan or paying attention to uh, the Michigan gubernatorial race, you may not know about him. But out of, he, he, he placed second in the Democratic primary to become uh, the, the, the Democratic nominee to be governor of, Mich- of, of Michigan. Um, uh, and the woman who won is just, it's not very good. But this guy is the real deal. He's, he's not only a doctor. He was a Rhodes Scholar. He was a, um, uh, you know, he was a, a I mean, the, the guy's got the credentials. And I'll get into it when I introduce him later on in the show. Um, but he, he has, his, what he ran on is, uh, translates to the national picture as well. And he's just, he's a, a, a great up and rising progressive um, that is is kind of an expert on Medicare for all. So we'll talk with him about a lot of things, including um, the vilification of Ilhan Omar uh, among mostly, you know, the Republicans, but some in in the Democratic Party are are doing it, too. So we'll talk with him about a wide range of topics today, including the Mueller report. But back to um, (laughs) religion for a second. Sorry, again, it's this weekend. Um, uh, Somebody in the chat room mentioned the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments will air on ABC again this year. I guess they run it the night before Easter, so it'll be tomorrow night, Saturday night. I think starting at 6 p.m., because with their commercials, it runs all night. I mean, it goes for hours and hours and hours. Um, but I've said this before. Um, I grew up in a very secular family. Yes, we were Jewish by tradition, um, but but we we didn't practice anything. And my religious training, the entirety of it, comes from the movie The Ten Commandments. That's how I know the story of Passover. Seriously. Um, so if you're curious about what Passover is, you know, it's, it's, uh, there was a curse. I, again, I shouldn't be doing this because I'm going to get something wrong. But there was, there was a curse uh, placed on the firstborn of uh, each home by the king. I shouldn't do this. I, I need to watch Ten Commandments again to get <laughs> the story straight. But anyway, they put like goat's blood or something on the door of the Jewish homes. So the, 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 the curse or whatever it was uh, passed over those homes and left those firstborn in place. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a myth. I, I love mythology as long as I approach it that way. So uh, whatever you celebrate, I- enjoy your holiday. Um, I am actually tomorrow going to immerse myself in the world of Buddhism. Seriously, not not as a religious thing, but um, a, a friend knows what I deal with and sent me um, an invitation to uh, 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 a meditation center in Fort Lauderdale who has a workshop going on tomorrow, a Buddhist approach to anxiety and depression, how to understand the mind. So that's what I'll be doing tomorrow. In, but as I as I um you know read the uh, <laughs> the, the Mueller report, okay, my husband's calling in, so obviously I said something wrong about Passover, right? God, you slaughtered it. <laughs> okay, there so, were plagues. There were plagues when the Egyptians of course, the, were not, would the locusts, not let the, 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 the Israelites sure. go. Right. The Lord inflicted plagues upon them. One of the plagues was death of the firstborn male Male, child in each family. The Israelites were instructed to put the blood of a lamb on the doorpost of their house so that the angel of death would know to pass over them. Okay, so that's the the genesis 
of Passover. I knew it was something Way like to that. Work in Genesis. Yeah, Way to work baby. In Genesis. Me and my biblical knowledge. Would, People should see that. Bill Collins. When Bill we, Collins would be proud of you. Right. We watch Jeopardy. By the way, if you're not watching Jeopardy now, you're missing out because there's this guy, James, who's just a robot um, who's, who's killing it every night. But whenever there's a Bible, uh, you know, topic, I'm just like, all right, I don't know that one. So anyway. Anyway, thank you for the, uh, for the, for the religious uh, uh, lesson. We may have to watch Bye, darling. Uh, the Ten Commandments again tomorrow. Bye, darling. Bye, darling. I Bye. love you, Madre. Thank you. Love you, too. All right. <laughs> My husband, everybody. Thank you, David. All right. So um, I don't know. I'm, I guess I'm, 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 I'm stalling um, because I've been fighting with people. Let me just say, I know I, it's something I do. Um, and the people I've been fighting with, sadly, on social media, or I should just stay away, are, are some of them are people who I know have been listening to this show for years. Actually, one guy. I, I don't want to exaggerate. One guy. Um, but there are some people who are like so far left that they go all the way around back and come out on the right. These are the people um, uh, who, you know, th- there were the ones who were not um, uh, on board, you know, thought the whole Russia angle of the investigation was uh, was off base, called it Russiagate, um, thought it was a, a sham and a scam. I still, you look, I never jumped on that bandwagon, but I always had suspicions. I, uh, there, there were an inordinate amount of Russian contacts from people within the Trump campaign. What I was never sold on was the fact that now it turns out was probably not a fact that uh, that Trump himself was complicit in colluding or conspiring with the Russians to win. I think he's just, you know, uh, just whatever would help him, you know, went along for the ride. Apparently Don Jr. wasn't indicted or even questioned because they, 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 dis, they deduced that he was too stupid to, uh, to know what the fuck he was doing, that he was too dumb to understand how to conspire with the Russians. <laughs> so... I've got a problem with that, too. I think he should have been not only questioned, but probably indicted. Because, you know, here's the thing that gets me. From the, the earliest age I can remember, I remember the, 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 the adage, the legal adage, that ignorance of the law is no defense. I don't care how stupid he is. He broke the law. And if you go in to rob a bank, but you're, you're thwarted, your, your robbery is not successful. You're still arrested and charged with attempted robbery. Okay? Trying to break the law is breaking the law. Trying to do something illegal, getting information from a foreign source about your political opponent in the U.S. is illegal. What Donald Trump Jr. should have done when he got that email is call the FBI. Why he was given a pass, I don't know. And now I see the Democratic leadership vacillating on the subject. Fucking Steny Hoyer, who needs to just retire already. I do see he's got a challenger. I already asked Howie Klein about this woman. He said it doesn't look uh, as progressive as he'd hoped, but he's, he's vetting her. He's checking her out. Um, my, my point is, and look, her website, and I, I, I'm an idiot. I didn't write it down. Hold on. Some a listener sent me her information. Let me see if I can find it while I'm talking, because I usually can uh, walk and chew gum at the same time. Okay, here it is. Um, Michaela2020.com. M-C-K-A-Y-L-A. Michaela2020.com. Her name is Michaela Wilkes. And under issues, um, she's got all kinds of things listed there, like Medicare for All, like, um, come on. Click. My, com- my computer is just not, not happy today. Um, affordable housing, Medicare for all, Green New Deal, criminal justice, uh, you know, protecting immigrant communities, uh, indigenous communities, a whole bunch of stuff. So, so on the surface, regardless, she seems she, I, just, just this very cursory look at her website. I believe she's better than Steny Hoyer. Anyway, Steny Hoyer basically said, uh, you know, is, is back with the impeachment is off the table. No, it is the the Democrats' duty to do something. Donald Trump 
Despite what the attorney general said, the attorney general is a stooge. The attorney general was the hand-picked person that Donald Trump put in there to protect him. All throughout the Mueller report, you can read that um, uh, uh, Donald Trump screaming about Jeff Sessions. Oh, my God. There's tons of stuff about Jeff Sessions. Tons. Um, and, And Donald Trump's repeated attempts to get him to unrecuse himself or to resign or to do, quote, the right thing. Um, And his his constant haranguing. I want an attorney general who's going to protect me the way Eric Holder protected uh, Barack Obama. Excuse me. Tell me where Eric Holder protected Barack Obama. Uh, And he kept describing he wants his Roy Cohn. He found his Roy Cohn in this piece of shit named William Barr, who twisted the words of, well, he actually, uh, 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 of, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, he preempted the words of the Mueller report and replaced them with his own for first for three weeks while he sat on the report ostensibly to do the redactions, but let his four-page summary um, – uh, you know, do the talking for him in which he lied about what the Mueller report said. And I read it. I, I read that conclusion for you probably four times on yesterday's show. So I won't I won't do it again. But basically it said um, because of this ridiculous rule in the in the Justice Department, um, the belief that a sitting president can't be indicted, which, by the way, is not a law. It's not a rule. It's a policy. A policy that was written by Neil Kochel, who at one time was an acting solicitor general, who now we see uh, a lot on, on MSNBC. And in fact, last night he was on uh, Colbert. And, and, and he, he gave on Colbert one of the best explanations of what's going on in this report that I'll share with you in just a couple of minutes. Um, but but the, um, what, what Bill Barr did was he took it upon himself – to interpret the Mueller report when what Robert Mueller intended was for it to go to Congress, for them, for Congress to decide on the question of obstruction of justice. It is their responsibility, not Bill Barr's, but Bill Barr is in this for one reason and one reason alone, and that's to be Donald Trump's Roy Cohn. And he is. He should be impeached and Donald Trump should be impeached. And yes, I've got a problem with the the establishment Democrats who are saying, oh, we can't do impeachment. You know, the election's only, uh, you know, uh, 16 months away and uh, let the people speak. No, he needs to be held accountable for this shit. Then we have all the, you know, the naysayers, the people who watch Fox and those people who are so far to the left, they're all the way over, you know, all the way around to the right, who are saying uh, they, the, 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 the Mueller report found there was no collusion and no obstruction. That's a lie. The Mueller report did not find that. Bill Barr imposed that, that, that alternative fact on us. The Mueller report said no such thing. There's a reason Robert Mueller was not standing behind Bill Barr when he held his second bullshit press conference to give his uh, impression of the report, his made-up uh, uh, conclusion that had nothing to do what, what, with what is in those 400-some-odd pages. Again, um, you know, Mueller, Bill Barr, in his little press conference, said, well, you know, when, when the reporter asked him about um, Congress deserves to get the, the full report, they, you know, they're, they're the ones who uh, basically hired him to do this. And Bill Barr said, oh, no, he works for me. Technically, he does. But it's it, 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 the, the Congress has a right to everything and nowhere in any regulation, does it say that the, uh, the attorney general has the final say over a report investigated and, and reported by the special counsel's office? So thankfully, Robert Mueller will testify before Congress. So, so you know, but, but the Democrats need to do something. They can't just let this sit. They can't just let it go. Or they're the spineless 
you know, lazy, frightened people we thought they were. And of course, once again, it's the progressives. It's the AOCs, the young upstarts and the progressive caucus who are calling for impeachment. It doesn't matter what the Senate does or doesn't do. He may not be removed from office, but he needs to be held accountable for all the things we learned about in this report. Again, um, obstruction did occur. There were 10 areas that Robert Mueller outlined to show where where they investigated. 10 instances of obstruction, conduct involving FBI Director Comey and Michael Flynn. The president's reaction to the continuing Russia investigation. The president's termination of Comey. The appointment of a special counsel and efforts to remove him. Efforts to curtail the special counsel's investigation. Efforts to prevent public disclosure of evidence. Further efforts to have the attorney general take control of the investigation. Efforts, excuse me, to have McGahn deny that the president had ordered him to have the special counsel removed. Conduct toward Flynn, Manafort, redacted. Conduct involving Michael Cohen. Each one of those 10 has a whole section devoted to where the details are laid out in, in excruciating detail. But some of these people, <clears throat> including this one former listener of mine, um, are just like, well, they de- Mueller decided. Mueller, Mueller found there was no obstruction and no collusion. Bullshit. Do yourself a favor. You got a long holiday weekend ahead. Read the whole report yourself. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Okay. Um, uh, hold on. Someone's calling in. Let's see who this is. Uh, hello. Who's this? Jason from Simi Valley calling up today to wish you a happy Easter for one thing. I don't celebrate. Other, Thank you. I also want to tell you that I do agree with you. I think right now they have, they're going to be pushed into it because they're trying to think tactically but I think they're right. I think at the very least, you can start a preliminary uh, inquiry, which would allow them access to the grand jury testimony. And then that way they can get the report, too. I believe they should at the very least do that. I do believe they should impeach him. Throw it in the, ha- the, the sentence say, OK, here you go. Here's what we found. Now ignore it at your own peril. peril. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and I And I do agree with you that... The progressives, the young Turks, for lack of a better term, are the ones who should do it. And also, to be honest with you, there's another more selfish reason they should do it. Self-preservation, because right now they have people threatening to do bodily harm and kill them. And I'm sorry, when you do that, it's time for the gloves to come off. Wait, threatening to kill who? Remember, they've been getting uh, certain people, uh, the more radical followers, the mega hats, who have been making death threats against oh, some well, of the progressives. Well, they do that. Yeah, they do that anyway. Um, yeah. Well, but more so now than before. And I think it is self-preservation. I think it's time to do it. I think some of them want to. I, 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 I'm not going to quite go as far as you do with Nancy Pelosi. I think she's trying to think tactically. But I think she's also going to have to realize, e, we can't wait 18 months. We've got to do it because if for no other reason and here's something you haven't thought of let's just say we start doing the uh, impeachment thing right mm-hmm. trump would you say and i and i'm trying to be objective as much as i can i look at that man honestly i mean, I mean without our harsh feelings we have toward him he's not physically well no he's that not man, and if he has to deal with the pressure of uh, a congressional inquiry that is they really can't stop into preliminary impeachment things, and then they can start doing that. That just will add more pressure and may drive him out. The other thing is, I hate to tell you the, the gang over in the Senate, but if they have this, and, and you know, McConnell, I don't know quite if McConnell can try and shove it off to after the election. I don't think he can, actually. But the point of the matter is, you got to put this stuff out there. I, I saw a news report this morning saying how voters don't care about the Mueller report, they only care about, you know, the issues that we all care about, like health care. Uh, they seem the Democrats should make the uh, connection that Trump nominated Barr. Barr is trying to get uh, Obamacare, AC, whatever you want to call it, 
you know, thrown out. So we all go back to having to deal with the pre-existing condition problem. Mm-hmm. That's the kryptonite. That's, that is the connecting thread. I think that they can help bring them down. And there would be no greater pleasure in the world, I would see, than to seeing uh, our dear turtle have to give the gavel over I, I know you're not a fan oh, of Chucky Schmucky. No, and, but, and hopefully, you know what? Dick Durbin it, it should, was supposed to have that position, and somehow uh, Chucky Schmucky wrestled it away from him. Well, Chucky Schmucky, despite his not my favorite either, is still vastly better than, yep. than Mitch McConnell. That's true. Okay. Yep. But my point is there is a, a stretch here. Also, by redacting the report, may I give a little hope to everybody? Okay, quickly. With this report in its current form, it allows people to now start cross-referencing with everything else we know. And then once you start doing that, then more of the dots get connected. And I'm going to say that I don't think this guy is physically nor mentally going to make it. Now, I admit Pence is, is kind of like thinks a handmade tale is a situation comedy, mm-hmm. but... I th- he I think he is nowhere. I think he in an election. I think most. Oh, he, any he, of the he would never win. Absolutely. No, Mike Pence yeah. would be a placeholder for whatever short amount of time he's there. Um, I, 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 Jason, I got to run because we've got have a great weekend. Thank okay? you, you too, and happy holidays. Whatever you right. celebrate. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I know that sounded terse when I said I don't celebrate Easter, but I just went on a whole thing about how I'm so not religious. And he says, Happy Easter. I, uh, uh, whatever. Um, Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, okay. Um, well, I, Abdul El Sayed is going to be calling in any minute now, but I did want to play for you some of the. Um, and Spock goes in the chat room saying, I think the issue of death threats needs to be addressed. I've been writing about it lately at, at Digby's place and at Crooks and Liars. We will. And in fact, I'm going to talk with, it's one of the things I'm going to talk with Abdul El-Sayed about, uh, about the death threats that Ilhan Omar and other Muslims. Look, he ran for the Democratic nomination to be governor of, of, uh, of Michigan and had to hire security for his family because he was getting death threats simply because of his name. All right. He's going to be calling us. So I'm sort of at his mercy watching out uh, for the um, uh, the phone to ring. In fact, I'm, I'm going to just bring up the volume on that uh, uh, line just so that I, I don't miss him when he calls. But I did tell you I, I'm out of time to play what's news. Um, but but I mentioned Neil Kochel, former uh, 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 acting solicitor general, um, was at the DOJ after the, the 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 star report came out and he is the guy who wrote those new uh OLC rules including the one that says a sitting president cannot be indicted this was never passed as legislation it's not official it's just a rule that Neil Kochel wrote along with other things those rules need to be um rewritten anyway he knows what's going on here he knows the stuff and he was on with stephen colbert last night you wrote the rules on special counsel investigations <laughs> how much of this is your fault <laughs> i'm feeling pretty good tonight because basically i think this is the end of the beginning not the beginning of the end okay so um in, in what way what do, you, what, what do you mean so the special counsel regulations were written to deal with the central problem that our constitution creates which is the president and his attorney general control prosecution entirely under our Constitution. So if you have a corrupt attorney general, there isn't a way to stop him from doing the president's bidding. All you can do is shed sunlight into that process, Hmm. and that's what we saw today. So we have a special counsel report, several hundred pages long. The attorney general can stop that investigation, even though the president said this is a hoax, stop this thing, witch hunt, and the like. And so we now have the facts and it's now set up for Congress and the American people mm-hmm. to and to evaluate, as opposed to a world in which there was a cover-up from the get-go. Uh, yes. In fact, Congress to evaluate. Wait, there's more. There's a couple things that we didn't anticipate. You know, we thought about corrupt attorneys general and nefarious ones. But Barr is actually more nefarious in some ways than anything we anticipated. What, in what way? So a couple of things. Number one is he... Uh, he wrote a 19-page memo that basically said the president can't obstruct justice, that right. it's constitutionally impossible, basically. This for is before he so. got the job of attorney general. That, job. that was his audition. Exactly. And, um, and strikingly, the Trump legal team, today we learn in the report, parroted every part of that. And you could read this Mueller report. It's like a 
400-page epic subtweet of the Barr memo saying a president can't obstruct justice. Well, um, what did you think of the way he characterized it in his letter as opposed to what you're seeing today? Did he read the same report that we did? No. I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, strikingly, on page one, he sa Mueller says in his report, I believe a sitting president can't be indicted. And on page two, he says, because of that, I'm not going to incriminate the president. And, and I'm going to cut him off there because, um, well, we have a guest on the line. But it was, that was Neil Kochel speaking with Stephen Colbert last night about the reasons that, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> That Congress needs to get this report that Bill Barr is a, a, not exactly a, a, an honest broker here. Okay, talk about uh, uh, changing topics on the fly. Um, I believe we have our guest on the line, Abdul El Sayed. Is that you? Hello? Uh, somebody was on the phone. Okay, let's see. Did, did I hang up? Uh oh. Oh, man. All right. I, I hate it when this happens. Let's see. Let me let me call that number back. See, I don't even know if that um, if that was him or I hate it when a guest calls me. Can you tell? Uh, because um, okay, let's try it like this. Let's see if if this works. And for all I know, this isn't even him. <laughs> From now on, I need to make sure I can I can call the guest. Hmm. Hi, is this Abdul? Hello? Hi, Abdul. No, no. you redialed Jason. I'm oh sorry. God. Okay. Oh. Okay. All right. Bye. Um, okay, that was weird. So it showed up as, as Jason again from Simi Valley. Okay, so we'll wait, and hopefully he calls in. Let me tell you a little bit about who um, Abdul El Sayed is. He is a physician an epidemiologist, a public health expert, and a progressive activist. He's the chair at South Palm, Michigan. We'll, we'll find out about that, um, as well as a senior fellow at the Governing Institute. He's got a book coming out called Moral Medicine, which diagnoses our country's epidemic of insecurity and the empathy politics we will need to treat it. Um, <laughs> I, I keep looking over. Oh, let me. I, I've got this turned up again. So if he calls in, I'll, I'll get it. I, I just. Oh, shit. You know what? I think I closed sky. I'm such an idiot. Hold on. I'm waiting for the phone to ring and realized that I, I shut down Skype. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, this is where I get all screwy with, uh, damn it, with, um, all right, let's see. All right, I, I don't know what to do here. I think that was him. Oh, there we go. Okay. Hi, it's the Nicole Sandler Show. Is this Abdul? Yes, this is. All right, we've been waiting for your call. Um, we're we're live on the air. I work without a producer, so sometimes I get I get a little uh, crazy on this end. But thank you so much for calling. Uh, I've been looking forward to talking with you. Um, I was just explaining to my listeners who you are, and actually, the the reason I invited you on the show is I've been following your career. I, I watched from a distance. I'm in Florida when um, you were running for the Democratic nomination to become governor of Michigan, um, and was so impressed with every. Everything that you did. Uh, listener JJ wrote in with a suggestion. He said, uh, this fellow is probably already on your radar screen, but listening to your podcast with Howie Klein talking about progressive candidates reminded me of Mr. El Sayed. I heard an interview he had with Chris Hayes last summer and was very impressed. He has both the background and detailed knowledge to explain why Medicare for all would work just fine. And so uh, I got that suggestion a little while ago, and I've been reading up more and more on you. And the more I learn about you, um, the more I'm hoping you're going to run for office again. Well, I appreciate that. Maybe someday. Uh, probably not today, though. Um, but uh, but that's very kind of you. It's very kind of JJ. I appreciate that. No problem. Well, I was just, uh, as we were waiting for your call, I was sharing a little bit about your bio, how you are a doctor. You're a, um, uh, you're, you're, um, uh, you're you're a Rhodes Scholar. You have a doctorate from Oxford. You you um, you ran the you served as health commissioner from the city of Detroit and a professor at Columbia's Department of Epidemiology. Um, you have become somewhat of an expert on Medicare for all, and I want to get into that. But before we do, I need to ask you about things that are going on right now. For instance, sure. <laughs> um, I, I'm guessing. Well, of course, you've heard about the Mueller report. Have you had a chance to read any of it? 
I've read uh, I've read excerpts. Unfortunately, um, four hundred forty eight pages in uh, in a day. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, well beyond my reading capacity, <laughs> but uh, but certainly read some excerpts and uh, and been been paying a lot of attention to um, the back and forth and the reactions. And what do you what are your thoughts? I mean, first from from what uh, Bill Barr, the Attorney General, came out and told us, and then what we know from um, actually reading or reading about what's truly in the report. Well, what I'll tell you is that um, is that the report is is really quite damning. Mm-hmm. Um, and even beyond, I'm not a lawyer, so I'm not going to comment on any of the legal questions uh, on on the report. But um, but the report is quite damning about the character of this president. But that being said, I didn't need a report to tell me that this is a man who is unfit to be president of the United States. Um, I watched that uh, through the course of his. Uh, primary and then the mm-hmm. course of the general election. And then uh, during his first two years plus as president, the man who's um, systematically uh, trying to marginalize people of color, uh, whether it is the comments that he makes about um, urban core communities and uh, and black Americans, or it's the Muslim ban, or it's the uh, military uh, ban on, on, on trans folks serving their mm-hmm. country. Um, he is going after people in a way that is meant to divide our country uh, in order to try and find some uh, odd unity uh, by deploying the the worst kind of identity politics um, in our society. And this is a race baiter. He is a bully. He is somebody who lies profusely. I didn't need the Mueller report to tell me all that. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and, and I think, you know, what we're seeing uh, is, is a, a, a frank reveal on who this person is behind closed doors uh, when he interacts with his own staff, but it's fundamentally in character to who he's been. Uh, who he is and, and who he will be. Uh, without a doubt. But it is nice to see, you know, the, the, the stuff we've known um, uh, put down in paper, especially since the M.O. of this man and his administration, all his flunkies around him, is to deny reality. It's to say green is blue, up is down, the sky is purple, and, uh, you know, just to deny the facts. I, I, I call it opposite world. Um, do you think he should be impeached? Well, look, I, I certainly think impeachment shouldn't be off the table. Um, I think this is a, a conversation that uh, that needs to continue. Um, and I'll leave it to smarter minds than mine and folks who are closer to the information uh, than I am. But uh, but it shouldn't be taken off the table. But the fact of the matter is, I don't want um, I don't want this to pull us. Uh, from the bigger conversation, which is how do we make sure that people who have been locked out of our political process for a long time uh, don't continue to be locked out um, and that they come out and vote uh, in 2020? Because either way, um, starting in January 2021, uh, I do hope that we have a different president, whether it's by impeachment uh, or by good old-fashioned beating him at the polls. And that's really what I hope that, uh, that progressives are focused on um, is beating this man whichever way we have to, but being ready to beat him at the polls uh, in 2020 because it's going to be a hard election. I, I fully agree with you. I just worry uh, that that this man has skated. He is the Teflon Don, and he gets away with this, and I think he needs to be at, at the very least censured. He's got to be held accountable for his uh, de- just defiance of of the way of the rules of the laws and the norms of this country. Anyway, my thought, um, Abdul. I, I agree. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I had a feeling you, you would I, look. I also I don't want to take the onus off the Republicans because I, I think they are the most complicit here. I want to know where the outrage is from the Republicans in Congress who swore an oath to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. The fact that they're just sitting idly by and lying for him uh, should be disturbing to everybody. Yeah, I have an old friend of mine from grad school who's a, who's a dyed-in-the-wool Mississippi Republican. And um, I asked him one time, I said, how can you justify the kinds of things that Donald Trump is saying and doing? How can you sit quietly while he does this? And, um, and the, the sad thing is that, you know, this is a really smart individual. Um, he was a, a classmate of mine in, in Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar. And, mm. um, the sad thing is that they, 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 they are reacting out of fear of that Trump base. And what I think is going to happen is after this Trump presidency is over, 
um, the party is, is sort of going to wake up with a gigantic hangover <laughs> and have to figure out where it is that they are because um, they're incoherent. There is no there is no political philosophy aside from white supremacy uh, that they're 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 um, pursuing. You know, even the the frank bounds of traditional conservatism and, and fiscal responsibility they've flouted under this president. Um, and uh, and you know, the reality of it is that if you look at uh, people under the age of forty. Uh, even under the age of 50, um, Republicans aren't doing very well. They've they've sort of uh, mortgaged away their future for this uh, for this man and, and what he's done in terms of tearing up our country. And uh, they're going to wake up from it and realize that um, that there was no coherence. And 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 uh, and in the end, um, they they don't have a future that that they can reckon on. So um, you know, I, I think the the future in the long term looks looks pretty good. Although we're going to have to figure out how to minimize the damage. Um, it frankly protects um, the 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 way that government uh, has been cast light on by mm-hmm. by this individual um, and rebuild in ways that we don't even know right now um, and that's that's really sad and it's frustrating and it's dangerous it is uh, but it is. Um, but it has been a wake up call it, it, it definitely so in fact um, uh, Dr El Sayed you mentioned the 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 um, uh, the, the the white supremacy the white nationalism this trend is is disturbing. I mean, at at best, it's just frightening. I happened to catch you on Chris Hayes' show a couple of nights ago talking about Trump's vendetta against Congresswoman Ilhan Omar. A caller just a few minutes ago was talking about the death threats made by some of these maggot people uh, against the more progressive members of Congress. We're living in a very dangerous time. I understand that while you were running for um, the nomination in in Michigan, uh, you had to have protection for your family is that because of your name well look i mean the 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 degree to which uh i was i was vilified as some sort of conspiracy um on social media you know it was it was unfortunately something that comes with the territory if, if you try and stand up as a person of color uh with a different sounding name uh who is devoutly openly and proudly muslim um so i know a small taste of what congresswoman omar is facing. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got to decide whether or not we are the kind of country that truly believes in our pluralism and believes that uh, anyone and everyone who, who stands up for this country, who believes in this country, can serve. Um, and what Donald Trump, and, and I hate to say it, uh, a lot of leading Democrats are also yep. assenting to, yep. uh, is that some voices and some people uh, are not as worthy of uh, of leading in our democracy as others. And um, I will never be okay with that. Uh, and I don't think any of us should be. No. In fact, a really disturbing article broke just a day or two ago. Uh, you know, there's this special election being run in North Carolina where there was, uh, you know, fraud at the ballot box. And so now Dan McGreedy, who was the Democratic candidate, is running again. The Republican who cheated is not in the race. I don't even know who McCready is running against. Well, he just made a public statement that he was returning a donation from Congresswoman Omar, um, I I guess because of what? Because he perceives her in in the same light that the Republicans? I won't even say it. I'm just mortified. I I guess he doesn't want to win that seat. Certainly not as a Democrat. Yeah. We've got to stop apologizing for what we believe in as progressives. And um, uh, we've got to stop assenting to the fear mongering that we're seeing coming out of the other side. You know, in the end, we have to hold ourselves to what history will say about us. And uh, unfortunately, I feel that um, that McCready has, has chosen uh, this hysteria of this moment yep. um, led by an individual with, with, with no moral feet to stand on uh, over what history will say about his actions. And, um, you know, we've got to stand up on our ideals and we've got to fight for them and we've got to fight for the people who espouse them and we've got to stop apologizing for what we believe in. Damn straight. Uh, we're speaking with Abdul El Sayed. Again, he's a medical doctor. He was a, a candidate for the Democratic nomination for the governor of Michigan. He placed, you finished second in the primary. Uh, you then want, went on, I think, to form a group called Southpaw Michigan PAC. What's that all about? What are you doing there? Yeah, so Southpaw is a people pack. Um, you know, we know that uh, the op- opposition has uh, tremendous amounts of money that's 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 both above board and, and below board uh, that's going to support them. And one of the hallmarks of my campaign is that 
uh, we built just a tremendous uh, people-powered movement. Overall, our campaign sent 3 million texts and 300,000 phone calls we made and wow. knocked on uh, tens of thousands of doors because we had you know, over 10,000 people volunteer with this campaign. Um, and we didn't want that people power to dissipate just because uh, my campaign in the primary was unsuccessful. And so we wanted to harness all that people power um, and put it behind great progressive candidates uh, up and down the ballot in our state. And we're thankful that um, uh, 20 out of 35 of our uh, candidates and causes um, ended up succeeding. And uh, and in, in, in some part because uh, of the people who came out to be a part of that. And so, you know, it was a, a mechanism to source um, that kind of people power and that kind of passion for progressive causes uh, in candidates and, um, and get them across the finish line. Awesome. And so th- this is you're ramping up for 2020 to make sure Michigan uh, gets out and votes, most importantly, and, and especially uh, votes blue. Um, uh, OK, now let, let's talk about Medicare for all. Obviously, you are a medical doctor. This is this is your thing. Uh, it was Bernie Sanders big pitch in 2016 when he was standing alone in calling for a single payer health care system, at least on the national level. This time around, most of the candidates have joined in, though not all of these so-called Medicare for all plans they're touting are created equal. So. Um, again, you're a physician, you have a doctorate in public health, uh, you served as a health commissioner in Detroit, a professor at Columbia's Department of Epidemiology, yeah, all this, you've got published papers, you've got a book coming out. Uh, I could go on, I want to ask you about the book, but so, so what's the deal with Medicare for All? Yeah, look, it's the, the morally right thing to do now. Uh, you better believe there's going to be some opposition. Mm-hmm. So let me just lay the facts out right now. Uh, we pay more per capita in healthcare costs than any other country in the world. Um, 30 million people don't have access to healthcare at all. And even for those who have it, we get mediocre healthcare at best. We live two years shorter uh, than our Canadian counterparts up north. Our infant mortality rate is one of the highest in high-income countries uh, in the world. And, um, and in large part, that's because we've ceded our healthcare system uh, to profiteers on two sides, the, uh, the, the insurance industry, uh, and then the provider industry, um, and, and that includes pharma and pharmaceuticals. Um, we've got an opportunity in this country to rethink how we provide people health care around one simple moral truth, that health care is a human right. Medicare for all would do that. It would provide every single American access to health care from cradle to grave. Um, they would not have to worry about premiums, about whether or not their employer provides them health care, wouldn't have to worry about what might happen in a catastrophic situation, uh, wouldn't have to worry about a deductible or a copay. They get health care because they are in this country and because we value uh, them as, as humans. And um, this is a moral truth. Now, the technical questions, uh, I actually think that they, they have to be always subjugated to that moral question. Hmm. Technically, again, we're the only other high-income country, only high-income country in the world that doesn't do this. It's definitely possible, but it's going to mean standing up to folks who've made too much money on a system that tells us that healthcare is about profits rather than about people. Um, so yes, we're going to have to have the moral courage to stand up to them. Uh, Senator Sanders showed us how it's done, and now 70% of Americans agree with him on this point, and, um, and I think we've just got to keep going. Yeah, no, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I just look at our own family dynamic here. I'm 59 years old, so I'm still five and a half years away from Medicare. Um, thanks to the Affordable Care Act, I'm able to purchase insurance. And again, thanks to the Affordable Care Act, it actually covers uh, any issues I may have. Uh, in fact, it's the only reason I'm here talking to you today, because uh, coming on three years ago, I was diagnosed with lung cancer. And luckily, we mm. caught it early enough. And uh, through surgery, they just took out basically my left lung, two different two separate tumors, um, but caught them early enough uh, that, that I'm now almost three years cancer-free. In fact, I just had my latest scans uh, last week. Um, but the point I'm getting at is, if not for the Affordable Care Act, I wouldn't have been covered because I already had a melanoma. So I was already a cancer survivor with pre-existing conditions and was uninsurable before the Affordable Care Act came in. But now mm. it's not so affordable. And I don't I, I wor- worry from year to year how I'm going to, you know, uh, afford to pay not only the premiums, but the co-pays and the deductible. Then my daughter turned 19, which means she transitioned off the S-CHIP program the floor, in Florida. It's the Healthy Kids program. And so uh, she, she went on the exchange, healthy 19-year-old. 
with a, I think it's a $3,500 deductible, $65 co-pays to see a, a doctor, um, and her premium is almost $200 a month. I think that's criminal. She's a healthy kid. Mm-hmm. It, it just shouldn't be this way. And, and I look at what mm-hmm. they do in other countries, and I, I, I'm envious. I, I don't know why. And I say I don't know why we can't do it here. The thing is, we can do it here. That's right. Well, first of all, I'm really glad to hear that you're cancer-free for three years. Thank and I'm really you. sorry that you had to go through that. Yep. I'm also really thankful that you had um, the health care that you needed. I think your story speaks to uh, the experience of so many people in this country uh, that um, were it not for uh, our government stepping in and um, uh, and doing something about that, the fact that too few people have the health care that they need when they need it, um, that, you know, your, your situation might have ended up differently. Right. And I think your daughter's experience um, speaks to the fact that right now, uh, you know, the, the, the insurance system sees her uh, as a means of cashing in yeah. rather than yep. uh, as a young woman who deserves to have health care because she's, uh, she's an American. And, um, and this is about a frame shift in the way that we think about health care and that we think about people uh, and, and that we think about um, how our government ought to behave with respect to things as basic uh, as having health care. And the point that I always make is that there are very few things that all of us share in common. The fact that we have a body and that those bodies get sick is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so we really ought to be thinking about smart policy to address that. Absolutely. Hey, question from Spocko in the chat room. He says, I'm interested in what um, uh, Abdul thinks will be the strategies of pharma and health insurance lobbies to block this. And what are the strategies we can implement to stop them? Well, they're already starting. Um, there's, a, there's this organization called the Partnership for America's Healthcare Future, which is a coalition, a junta, between uh, the AMA, the hospital associations, the insurers, uh, and pharma. And uh, they're already raising huge amounts of money. They're giving to candidates who oppose Medicare for All on the left. Uh, they're already starting to lobby against it. Um, and uh, what they're likely going to do is uh, when that conversation really kicks off, uh, you're going to start seeing ads like we saw, for example, in the early 90s with Harry and Louise. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when they choose, you lose. Right. Um, that's, that's their approach here, fear-mongering. Wow. Telling folks that, you know, it's going to be an unstable system and that they're liable to lose their health care and that uh, the government can't be trusted, etc. Um, really, the only truth there is that they make a lot of money off of this system and they want to protect that. Absolutely. That's what they're after. And um and so we're already seeing it, unfortunately. Right. Now, what, what did you, I don't know if you, if you saw Bernie Sanders uh, doing a town hall on Fox the other day, but um, I, I guess uh, Brett Baer was taken a bit by surprise when he polled the audience after Bernie explained his thoughts on Medicare for All. And then he polled the, the studio audience, which he said, made, went to lengths to explain, was a mix of everybody, Democrats, Republicans, Democratic Socialists, Trumpers, you know, a, a wide cross-section of people. Um, but the, the audience was overwhelmingly positive when, when Bear asked them uh, if they'd be willing to give up their employer-sponsored health care, health insurance for Medicare for All. And all the hands went up. Um, how, do, right. how, do we, how do we distinguish between the real Medicare for All and some of and, – and what – I hate to say it, but the Pelosi wing of the party is pushing, which is, is not really. It's more of a public option. Yeah, so anything that allows private health insurance to continue to be required to cover some subset of the population is not real Medicare for all. Gotcha. That's just it. That's, that That's is it. the sine qua non, mm-hmm. is that you have a single-payer program that health insurance is not necessary under that program, and that uh, there is a pathway to coverage through the government for every single American. That's, that, is, that is what the, the, bare, the bare bones of, of a Medicare for all pro- program is now. Some people will say that that means that you abolish uh, private health insurance entirely. Some people will say that it becomes sort of a Cadillac service for folks who want to pay a little bit more to, you know, get a concierge mm-hmm. uh, medical person that they can talk to. Um, some people argue that it should be promulgated to the state. Some people should argue, would argue that it, uh, it shouldn't. All of those are variations of a single-payer system. But the, the problem, right, is that a lot of these, uh, these, these sort of Medicare asterisk programs yeah. um, they're, they're trying to cede space to the private health insurers because they're worried about what those insurers will do when it comes to uh, lobbying and, 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 and contributions to opponents. So of course. Uh, we've got to stop being afraid 
of, uh, of, of, of where money's going to go. And we've got to start deciding where people are going to go. And that's on the streets. That's uh, talking uh, to other people about why it is that we cannot continue to be the only country in the world that doesn't provide people health care. And so, you know, the only way to beat that is, is people power. Um, it always has been. It always will be. Uh, and we've just got to keep going. We've got to believe in the truth and, and the moral rectitude of what we fight for. Definitely. Um, Abdul Al-Sayed, you have a, you're writing a book. Tell us about it. That's right. So, um, you know, I'm writing a book a little bit about what happens when an epidemiologist runs for office. Now, <laughs> uh, my whole life, I, you know, I, I, I trained to make sense out of lines of data to understand the underlying patterns uh, about what pe- makes people sick. And, you know, as a, as a candidate, I got to meet all of those people face to face. I got to engage them in their homes and in their VFW halls and in their union halls and in their tap rooms. And, um, and meanwhile, the epidemiologist in me was continuing to churn and trying to under, understand the pattern. And, uh, and so this book is about what I found and what I think we need to do uh, as a country to get, to get through uh, what is ultimately a, a political epidemic that we're suffering. Um, and so hopefully it'll come out sometime uh, around around this time next year. Okay. Uh, and uh, would love to chat about it then. I would love that. Would love that. Also, this time next year, we're going to be finally approaching, uh, you know, it, we're going to be in primary season. Uh, any thoughts on the 2020 presidential race so far? Well, look, I think uh, anybody who would be willing to stand up for our country right now is somebody who deserves a lot of praise. And, and I see a lot of great candidates. Um, I'm really grateful for uh, the, the work of, of progressives. Um, you know, it's, what's pretty clear is that uh, right now, uh, Bernie Sanders and his 2016 campaign has set the frame of the debate for 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he's just been so consistent for so long. Um, I also love a lot of the policy ideas coming out of uh, Senator Elizabeth Warren's yep. camp. Um, and I think there's a lot of great energy uh, across the primary. So um, it'll be exciting to watch. And, uh, and I'm really excited about uh, what what's coming. I got some opportunity to spend some time with uh, Senator Sanders in uh, when he was in Michigan last weekend. And I know that he's uh, he's really, really focused on uh, on making sure that folks recognize the truth of his message and uh, and what he's working on and, and what he's been talking about for so long. Uh, and I know several others have got that same sort of eye of the tiger. And, and so I, I'm looking forward to a competitive, strong primary. Uh, and I'm looking forward to being Donald Trump in 2020. Absolutely. I know Bernie Sanders endorsed your candidacy in your run for the governor. Um, uh, I, just so you know, you're in good company here. I'm a big Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren supporter. Uh, they're, my, they're my top two right now. And as I've said, even though I, I, you know, I, I tend to be like a mama bear, I protect Bernie Sanders because I see the attacks coming on him already. Um, I, I still haven't decided, but those are, those are my two top top. Uh, contenders. And, and, and I think you're right. Uh, we got to do everything we can to get the orange menace out of the White House. Um, uh, if That's not- right. What I will say is I, uh, I really think it's really important for us to really focus on putting up our candidates of choice rather than tearing down others. I, I think, you know, we we've got too much to lose in in the general uh, to tear down anybody right now. So, you know, my commitment throughout this primary is that uh, I'm not going to say anything negative about anybody. Um, I'm thankful to any public servant who believes in this country and wants to serve it. Uh, and I will fight um, for my candidate. Uh, and, uh, you know, we will stand up together and we'll move this this country forward, hopefully, in 2020. Uh, I, I, I can't wait. Um, Abdul Al-Sayed, thank you so much. What a pleasure this has been talking with you. Um, and so for, for 2020, you're concentrating on Southpaw PAC. Uh, getting people to vote in Michigan and getting Democrats elected? Well, look, the, uh, the focus for me right now is uh, let's continue to drive forward on the important policy issues that should be framing this debate. Let's get people registered to vote and let's go out and win 2020. Sounds good to me. Thank you so much for your time today. I really, really appreciate it. I, I, I know this is, this is a big holiday weekend for a lot of people, not so much for me because I don't celebrate uh, religious things. Um, but I, I, excuse my ignorance on the issue. Is there any kind of Muslim holiday going along to coincide with, uh, with Easter and Passover? No, but happy happy Easter to those celebrating and happy Passover to those celebrating. We've got Ramadan coming in the next uh, in the next two weeks or so, and you know that's the month where we uh, we observe the fast, and uh, it's also a great time to come together with family and, and to, to, to to really feel the gratitude of, of the blessings in one's life, and, and we're looking forward to that. Absolutely, and of course, there's always tomorrow, 420 day.
when, you know, the Church of Cannabis celebrates. So something for everybody, I suppose. Uh, Thank you so much, Abdul El-Sayed. It was great talking with you. I'll refer people to your website, AbdulElSayed.com. I'll put a link to that, and they can follow you on Twitter, also your your name. Uh, Thank you again. It's been a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you. I really appreciate a great conversation. Me too. Take care. Bye-bye. And there you have it. Wow. I am impressed. Uh, I knew I would be. Again, I was impressed following him and listening to him and, and seeing his campaign. Smart guy. I'm looking forward to his book. All right. Um, and that does it for us for today and for the week. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Um, and, um, you know, happy 420 day. Bye.